This is Father Jared Kramer from St. John's Episcopal Church in Grand Haven, Michigan, here with today's edition of Christian Mythbusters, a regular segment I offer to counter some common misconceptions about the Christian faith. On January 20th, 2021, at noon, Joe Biden will be inaugurated as the 46th President of the United States. If you're listening to this episode on Wednesday, we will be just about 90 minutes from that inauguration. If you're listening on Sunday morning, it will be in the rearview mirror. It's normal for religion to play a role in the inauguration of a president, at least it's been normal since 1937 when the first inaugural invocation was offered. Since 1933, there's also been an associated prayer service the morning of the election, whether private or public, and often a major prayer service the following day or weekend. Before this year, the previous four private services, the ones for the inaugurations of George W. Bush, both inaugurations of Barack Obama, and the inauguration of Donald Trump, had been at St. John's Episcopal Church on Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. In fact, of the 22 associated morning prayer services the day of the inauguration, fully half of them have been at St. John's. It's also become customary for there to be a public prayer service at the Washington National Cathedral, a church which is not only the seat of our presiding bishop in the Episcopal Church, since it is an Episcopal Cathedral, but which is also often served as a national house of prayer for all people in our nation. Now, as a country which has the separation of church and state as one of its founding principles, it bears notice the prominent role that churches usually play in the inauguration, especially my own Episcopal Church. And so, in light of the inauguration, I'd like this week to say a few words to break some of the myths surrounding the relationship between religion, especially Christianity, and our government. First, We are certainly not a Christian nation. We are a nation founded on the free exercise of religion, with the First Amendment of the Constitution making it clear that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Furthermore, many of the Founding Fathers were actually not traditional Christians. Many were deists, people who rejected supernatural revelation while still affirming belief in some kind of supreme being. The principle of the separation of church and state comes from a phrase Thomas Jefferson used to express his own understanding of the intent and function of the First Amendment. Though the principle has been largely upheld, including by the Supreme Court, it continues to be debated even to this day. And this is all a particularly interesting question for my own tradition, the Episcopal Church. After all, as a province of the Anglican Communion, our own mother church is the Church of England, where the Archbishop of Canterbury serves as our global spiritual leader, albeit with no authority in our country, and the English monarch continues to serve as the supreme governor of the church, a largely ceremonial role these days, but one that does include the power to appoint high-ranking members of the church. In the Episcopal Church, our prayer book has us pray for the president, usually by name. This has caused some consternation given the conflict surrounding President Trump and our church's more progressive stance on many issues, but our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, urged us to pray for the president by name, no matter who the president is. Because prayer is not a vote of support, it is a request for God's action and also a motivating force in our own actions in the world. I get some flack time to time from some quarters in this area because I, as a priest, often comment on political matters. People tell me I should stick to the church. The problem is I cannot do that. My calling is to the whole of my parish, that is, the area in which my church exists, not just the members of my congregation, and that means I have an interest in the spiritual and physical well-being of all members of the community here in the Tri-Cities. In many ways, I see my own role as a priest similar to the role the church should take when it comes to government, a role articulated so well by the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who said, The church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state, and never its tool. I hope that all Christians today, people of all faiths, do pray for our new president. 
But I also hope we will be praying that as we enter these four years, we will remember that while it is not our job to be the servant of the state, we have all seen the corruption that occurs when the church is given too much governmental power. We are still called as Christians to be the conscience, guide, and critic of the state. No matter who is in office, the church must speak up on behalf of justice and peace, love and truth. Good luck, President Biden. I'll be praying for you just like I prayed for President Trump. And I'm sure I'll have a thing or two to say in the years ahead about what justice, peace, and truth would urge you to do in your new administration as it begins. Thanks for being with me. To find out more about my parish, you can go to sjegh.com. Until next time, remember, protest like Jesus, love recklessly, and live your faith out in a community that accepts you but also challenges you to be better tomorrow than you are today.